Ready for the interview And if you get a cue Live on the laptop Watch what I'm gonna do Welcome to the show Let them know we got a point of view Hey, yo Let's have a combo Say what you feel Be real, that's the motto Real talk pronto Doctor D, PhD Hit the intro Hold up, wait Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals Gotta be social Network global Home for the locals well, way to show up, Simon. <laughs> I'd never, I'd never leave you, baby. <laughs> I would just, I would just be late. <clears throat> just be late. You're, you're a busy man. You know. You know. Um, somebody once asked, you know, it's like, oh, why are you guys always late for church? And I said, because we, we show up when we want to. <laughs> oh, that's a different way of looking at it. <laughs> I like to skip the first 20 minutes, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, man. I, I just, you know, I think people expect that you're going to give some excuse. You know, it's like, oh, my kids. Oh, this. Oh, that. No, I just do what I want. <laughs> this is what I wanted to do. Sounds like a freedom conversation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't everything. <laughs> I feel like it. Oh, man, I've been watching some crazy stuff lately. Like crazy. Yeah. And a lot of it's to do with spirituality and like, this documentary about, I watched it last season. It was all about like a search for Q, you know, the hell crazy Q okay. and stuff. And they yeah. have a season two and it's like wilder than ever. Oh my God. And there's a one of it's called Conspirituality. Have you heard of this before? No. I mean, is this, is it just kind of all about the, the rise of Christian nationalism and the conspiracy yeah. theory that goes along with it's all that, that movement? It's like far left extremism meets far right conspiracy theory yeah theory. it's strange it's very well strange. i'm yeah you know no matter which way you go if you end up on the fringe <laughs> yeah. then you know and 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 you know we talked about this last time you just end up in a in an echo chamber of yourself yeah. if you get out on the fringe you got to get in the middle so you're hearing you know voices from both sides otherwise you don't you don't hear any dissenting voice yeah and and uh you know, if you're Christian, then you have the teaching from Jesus that says, uh, when two or more are, you know, come together in my name. Yeah. Well, predating that by a few hundred years is Socrates. And he, he makes the claim that uh, only two people can come to any kind of truth. And what he's talking about is dialogue. Yeah. And, I, and couldn't we claim that Jesus is kind of saying the same thing? You come together in my name to have a dialogue, right? You don't you don't come together in my name to have a mono, yeah, voice. You know what I'm saying, right? That's why there's twelve apostles, not one. <laughs> I know, right? You know, <laughs> it's just strange watching people wrap scripture around an ideology of massive hate, and That's... uh it's just crazy. And I'm like, wait a minute. I've, I've read this. This doesn't mean that's at all. <laughs> like, I mean, if you stay in the Old Testament, I think you have an argument. Right, right, right. But Jewish rabbis will, will disagree with you. They read yeah. the text in a different way. Yeah. Um, which is no less valid than my way of saying that's an angry, mean God. You yeah. Know, they they, they right. don't look at it that way, but that's okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> Yeah, but, but you're right. When we get to that New Testament and we're, you know, talking about New Testament teachings of Jesus, then we're just like, how are you getting 
you know, white power out of that. Yeah. That's what I don't understand. I don't Where get does that, that part. From? Yeah. There's white gen. There's a big thing, white genocide. I'm like, where? Like, where is this? What is that? I don't understand. <laughs> I mean, this. Yeah. Like, you know, that kind of fear mongering, fearing for your own nationality is yeah. so anti Christian because Paul basically invents Christianity. And what is his big argument? Is that people who are coming into the fold as Christians don't need to become Jewish first. And that, right. that's what they were kind of having them do to begin with. But he's like, no, 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 we're just Christian now. You don't have to be Jewish anymore to, to, yeah. to follow Jesus. Um, it just makes no sense whatsoever. And Jesus isn't white. And, and you know, <laughs> it's not the Italian Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's like, <laughs> you know, even the Italian Jesus, it's really funny. I mean, it's, it's funny and sad and interesting and terrible when we see that um, a lot of these fringe groups like the Italians and, and, and the Irish and, and people like that who were treated terribly as immigrants coming over to this country initially, but then got brought into the fold of whiteness yeah. in order to suppress darkness. Right. Whether we're talking about Latinos or black people or any other, you know, people who are too dark, you know, to be considered white. And and the idea behind that is their strength in numbers. So we need to bring in now the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's strange. It's man. a troubling history. It is troubling. You know, and um and it's something that we of obviously have never come to grips with. Otherwise we wouldn't have to have this conversation right now. Yeah. And this country's still young. We're only about 250 years old. That's right. So, you know, hopefully we continue to have these conversations and we get there. But it's just strange watching a show and you see pastors saying the craziest stuff you've ever heard. Like just literally just like slamming other pastors, saying the yeah. most false things you've ever heard in your life. And watching this big group of people in a huge tent cheering and clapping for it. It's very strange. Woe unto them who call evil good and mm. good evil, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's so just like you, you know, I, I, I see these things and I think about, you know, the parallels to the New Testament teachings of Jesus. Yeah. And I think, you know, how how much scripture do you have to be ignoring to be <laughs> right. able to act the way you're acting? <laughs> you, you hear what right. I'm saying? Right. It, it's a, it, and that is the danger. The, the pro, one of the huge problems with Christianity in general is reading the Bible verse by verse. Yeah. The, the, the separating, you know, or, you know, uh, collating the Bible into verses makes it really easy to reference. But the problem is, is that people keep quoting just verses. Yes. And it's like, well, I'm teaching Sunday school this Sunday. I'm teaching Isaiah. Yeah. Isaiah is probably one of the worst examples in all of Christianity of taking scriptures out of context and having no idea right. what Isaiah is really talking about. 
part of that is because Isaiah is so dense and poetic that it's it's you know it's a difficult narrative and you have to put it in context with the other books that are happening simultaneously right. to really understand the history and what's happening to understand that Isaiah never talks about Jesus right and yet his scriptures his prophecies and things like that are constantly used whether in our beautiful hymns or orchestrations or or sermons to talk about Jesus. And it's like, well, nope. Yeah. <laughs> and if you had actually gone to, I don't know, I, I just think a lot of these professional pastors went to seminary. Yeah. What do they teach in those seminaries? Do they teach <laughs> right. Right. anything? Because <laughs> I didn't go to the seminary. Yeah. But I know this. Right. As just being a curious individual who took the time to say, I don't quite understand this. I should look it up. I yeah. should take the time to read a history book to find out what's going on. And then it becomes so obvious. Yeah. It's so just, anyway, yeah, it's, it's weird. I don't know. It's it's just strange. <laughs> it's just this this should be called like <laughs> <laughs> like movies and in, in God or something. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> the gospel of movies. Right. Movies that have God in it. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. like, <laughs> Bruce Almighty. Let's talk about like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, please don't make me watch that. <laughs> no, no, I haven't watched that in like a decade plus. I mean, like, like, I, I thought you guys were gonna talk about kindergarten cop. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Let's well, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> We get around to it eventually. Yeah, it's all an excuse. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I was talking to my kids about kindergarten cop this week because you know just leading up to this and um and and they have fond memories of us watching it during COVID. Yeah. And uh, it, it's just such a great movie, and I just it really think is. it speaks to almost everybody you know who just enjoys a fun film, you know, that you're not thinking too deep, you know, you're not, you're not, you know, kind of like what we were talking about with the revenge of the nerds. You're yeah. not looking for, <laughs> for messaging. No. There's no PC wokeness, right? There's, there's, you know, none of that kind of stuff in there. Um, but we did mention last week how, and, and a few of Arnold's movies do this. And I, and I would like to talk about this, how it flips toxic masculinity. That's on right. Its head. Yeah. And we see the soft underbelly of somebody. Yeah. Um, so we see that in Kindergarten Cop, and and it's um, and you know it's kind of a comedy of errors at first, and he's being driven crazy by these kids. <laughs> and uh, and you know I think the tagline was you know it, it was something like uh, you know his most difficult assignment yet. You know, it's like <laughs> right? He's used to fighting drug dealers and you know criminals, and now he's but he, nothing prepared him for this. No, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no to how hard it is to be a teacher in our society, man. <laughs> you know, I and what's great about it is I think you know they they never mention it, but you know talking about two of the t most um economically you know unvalued yes. professions right policing and teaching that's so important <laughs> <laughs> so i think going to be a kindergarten teacher he probably made a parallel move financially yeah yeah but, i think uh... so yeah <laughs> he just looked better he wasn't so greasy looking <laughs> yeah 
I like my car. <laughs> so growing, watching this movie as an adult, one of the things I noticed was how much I love his partner. Yeah. And I loved her when I was a kid too. And I watched this movie, but I love her even more now watching the movie, his partner. And I can't remember the name of the actor actress offhand, but she is fabulous. She is. And once again, we have a pairing of Arnold Schwarzenegger and somebody who's maybe more of a legit actor. Right. Right. And once again, you know, if, if you put certain people in that situation where they have to stand next to somebody who's like legit actor. Yeah. Then they look really foolish. But Arnold Schwarzenegger never looks foolish. And I think no, that's never. really impressive. Yeah. He, he can he he can stand toe to toe with really good actors, and he's not terrible. No, he's definitely not <laughs> terrible. It's actually pretty funny. I think most I think it's like without trying, he's just kind of funny, you know. Yeah. Um, he definitely has more comedic chops yeah. than a lot of tough guys do. Yes. I think there has to be something. I don't know if it's self-confidence or humility or a combination of those two characteristics that allows somebody like Arnold Schwarzenegger to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the baddest dude on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to just sit here and be made a fool of, you know, it's funny. I think if you watch pumping iron back in the day with yeah. Arnold and you see that charisma in that, yeah, he's just like cocky, but not in a way that you don't like him. Like, it's weird. Sometimes people are cocky and you're like, oh, I don't want to see this person. Like, yeah. this is almost just a funny cockiness. It's like, oh, I can't take it serious. <laughs> like, <you know>? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, he's still I love watching the little videos where he hangs with his uh you know, old buddies from back yeah. in the day. And they still talk trash to each other. Right. There's something but funny it's all, about it's that. It's all in such great fun, you know, and they just love it. And, uh, you know, and I love that, you know, he and Sylvester Stallone had this terrible, you know, thing. But now they both have really great senses of humor about right. it. Um, And I think, I don't know, maybe that's just age. Maybe that's just getting to know yourself. Yeah. And maybe that's maybe that's part of it. Maybe um, oftentimes when we think of a Hollywood actor, we think of somebody who's kind of not in reality. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, maybe they are being I don't know what the word might be coddled or or something. Yeah. I don't know. Or you know, but um, so maybe they might have a, a this kind of illusion of themselves that is just not reality. And Arnold, maybe it's because he's, you know, won Mr. Olympia X amount of times and all this kind of stuff. He and then he went into acting and 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 he um had the you know terrible accent and everything. Yeah. So he had to really work hard. Um but maybe that it just helped him to you know get to know himself. Yeah. And maybe he knows himself in such a way where he can just, yeah. Go ahead. Crack a joke. At sure. Me. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just such he's just such magic on screen. It's like 
there's just something funny about most of the scenes in this movie. But the like the tenderness, like you said, the flip of toxic masculinity from the beginning when he's basically hunting drug dealers, he's got the sunglasses on, he's got the five o'clock shadow, the big trench coat, you know, to the guy who's buttoned up. He looks cool. It's like, wow, this is the this is like the continuation of another movie he was in or something. Yeah. And then they flip the script. And he becomes this kindergarten teacher. It just it tells you what happens when you think like you're like, I'm confident in this one area and you think you're going to be good in this other area because you're confident in this other area. And then you realize, oh, no, no, I have to like reformat what I'm doing here. Like this isn't the same thing. I'm not busting drug dealers here. (laughs) Like it's a different level in that way. you know, his character and he himself as an actor are both making that flip at the same time. This is, you know, the time when he's making a big foray into making comedy. Right. You know, and that's one of the things I've always respected Arnold Schwarzenegger about is that he has tried the different genres, you know, (laughs) you know, Remember Junior, um, man? Remember that? Yeah, Junior's <laughs> crazy. Junior's crazy. I don't. I don't go back to Junior very much. Have you ever watched that again? I haven't, man. No, no, no. I I think the only reason, yeah, I I just I don't know about that. It's one. a skip, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, but that's okay. Everybody yeah, has it happens, a skip, right? You know, my favorite bands have skip tracks. You know, my yeah, favorite- of course actors have skip movies you, know? <laughs> you just roll over it man like okay yeah you can, there's a mulligan it's fine <laughs> it's <Yeah>. like, <laughs> everyone gets but, one you know yeah. it, pardon me it's still not as bad as a lot of other action guys who've tried to do comedy right yeah like junior is a disaster for all of schwarzenegger right but it's a step up from a lot of other guys who've like tried ben to diesel and the uh, uh, oh gosh yeah <laughs> yeah we want to re-mention the pacifier. We're re-mentioning we it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How bad it is. It's one of the worst things ever. Basically, Vin Diesel trying to do a kindergarten cop. Yeah. Yeah. But They're failing miserably. <laughs> oh my gosh. And <laughs> I don't know who directed that movie. But there's the other thing about Arnold Schwarzenegger is that he's very savvy. Yeah. I'm not just going to go do a comedy. I want to work with that director i want to you know and he's he was all it seems like he was always doing that throughout his career and he got off to a really good start with the directors who directed you know conan right um uh the terminator right james cameron and stuff Yeah. yeah he he knew what a good director is and how that makes a movie so when he went to go do these other projects in different genres he sought out directors who had already proven that they can do that genre. And I got to say, whoever directed, you know, the pacifier, Vin (laughs) Diesel proved that they were completely incompetent at making an action (laughs) comedy that was watchable. Completely. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that amazing though? Uh, You know, you, you can have, Arnold Schwarzenegger, you can have Danny DeVito. Yeah. And you can make a classic like Twins. Right. And then you can make Junior. Right. I know, man. (laughs) I have to tell you this. I thought of you about, I was watching a bunch of movies over the weekend. 
This is what happens on the show. We just bounce around. Don't worry. Yeah. We get back to kindergarten cop. Yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm going to watch Simon Thor Love and Thunder here. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> I want to see it's on Disney Plus. I'm going to watch it. I actually turned it off. I ended up yeah. turning it off. It was one of the worst movies I've seen. Worst. Bad. It, it was really disappointing. Wasn't really it? bad. Like, really because, bad. Because, once again, the team up, Taika Waititi. You know, he, he that guy is able to do so much with so little. Yeah. And he's proven that in movies like Hunt for the Wilder People, uh, What We Do in the Shadows. Right. I mean, literally from no budget whatsoever, hardly any sets, anything like that. Yeah. He's able to create amazing, hilarious comedy. And I think Thor Love and Thunder was proof that too much is too much. Too much is too much. Yes. Yes. And every scene, does it need to be like a over-the-top comedy reference? Like every scene? Like you know, that's what's great about kindergarten cop. There's moments yeah. of it's tender, it's funny, it's you know, it's kind of crazy. It's like it's like they're not going for the joke all the time. That yeah, we 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 go back to that a lot. Not going for the joke not is funnier than going for the joke. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, I mean Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, not going for the joke is way funnier than Arnold Schwarzenegger trying to tell a joke. That's you know what exactly I'm right. Him turning around and saying, "I like my car," and cocking his <laughs> shotgun. Right. Is way funnier than if he would have said something, you know, a comedian would say. Right. And that's the real problem. Take Thor, Love and Thunder. We just talked about it. You know, Arnold and Danny DeVito, they're great in one movie. They're horrible in another movie. Yeah. If you're going to tell me that Natalie Portman is going to be in a movie, I'm going to say, hey, that's going to be a good movie. She pretty much only does quality stuff if you right. take away the prequels of Star Wars. You know? <laughs> I know how you feel about this. But, <laughs> <laughs> but barring the, you know, the prequels from Star Wars, Natalie Portman is a very dependable actor. Sure. You can, if her name is in something, you can normally bet this is going to be a good thing. And she, when she signed up to say, I'm going to come back and do this, she was probably, she probably saw what Taika Waititi did right. in the previous Thor. She's like, right. oh, this is going to be great. <laughs> Not so fast, my friend. <laughs> I was really hesitant, and, and I I saw it all the way through to the end. Oh man, bless your heart! <laughs> because because I love Taika so much. Yeah. I love his work. I think he seems like a really great human being. He's doing so much creatively. He has so yeah. many. It seems like he's got an iron in like five fires at a time. Yeah. So he just seems like a creative genius savant and so once again we have to give him this mulligan it's a mulligan it's bad but you know what's bad when an 11 year old child says daddy can we turn this off like this yeah. is this is not good like this is like <laughs> like she's just ripping it she's giving it the simon skepticism uh. she's going in hard she's and she goes why did they have to do that with these movies like it's like so over yeah. the top and i said yeah. yeah i don't know marvel is doing something weird I don't know. It's like all oh, funny fest now, apparently. I don't know. You know, to their to their credit, it seems like they they were really hands off yeah. because this is a Taika Waititi movie. Yeah. 
you know, for better or for worse. Worse. Yeah, this is a Taika Waititi movie. This does not have the fingerprints of any other director that's worked in Marvel. Right, right. And so, you know, it, it is what it is. Oh, I was going to say, if you were to tell me that Christian Bale and Natalie Portman are in a movie, I, love I would Bale. say, oh my gosh, this is going to be a slam dunk acting fest. <laughs> it's I weird mean, though. Yeah. I, from the get go. Okay. So the best scene in the whole movie is actually the first opening <laughs> scene with Christian Bale right. and his dying daughter. Right. And it is amazing how quickly things go downhill after that. The moment he meets the the god that he right. been worshiping. And then he kills him with the sword. It's like downhill. I mean, even that scene was so bad. Yeah. Because there's Christian Bale acting his butt off. Right. And I don't know who's playing the god or whatever. And I'm not blaming him for being a, a bad actor or anything yeah. like that. I'm just saying that the way that they wanted him to act and the lines that he was given and any kind of build up and introduction of that sword, you know, that he yeah. uses and all that kind of stuff is so just glazed over and it's all just a big nothing. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if that sword is so powerful, then why didn't the other God, why wasn't he able to kill him? Why is right. Christian Bale, just this <laughs> normal mortal guy able to normal do it? Dude. Yeah. It's just so stupid and it's yeah. just so glazed over. And and what's crazy is that it's almost true to the comic. That's right. almost pretty right. much how it happens in the actual comic story. Right. But if you read the comic and you read that and, and then you watch that, you're like, oh my goodness. Yeah, something went really missing here. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like it's like they forgot to add salt to the recipe. It's right. You're like something's you know? missing here. It yeah. like tastes bland. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> it just it doesn't taste like anything. Yeah. It, eat a, a cookie that doesn't have salt. You know, a cookie recipe doesn't have much salt in it. Right. Take away that salt though. You're like, what happened? I had all this butter and sugar mm -hmm. and all this other stuff. Why yeah. does it taste like nothing? Yeah there's just some little thing missing and that's Thor love and thunder. And that missing ingredient is anybody, somebody taking the story seriously enough <laughs> to say, Oh, maybe I shouldn't make a joke here. Right. Maybe, it would, maybe this scene would be better without jokes. Yeah. Right. That's what, that's my problem with a lot of new movies. It's like, it's almost childish. Like even children yeah. are like, that's kind of dumb. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Like everything it's, I watched growing up wasn't over the top comedy. It was like the comedy just occurred during the movie. Yeah. And it was like, oh, that's kind of funny. I didn't see that as being funny, but it's funny, actually. You know? Yeah. That's, um, you know. You know, even a lot of over the top comedies go back and watch like a Buster Keaton. Yeah. I mean, that's all over the top. Right. But it's also there's so much nuance in a Buster Keaton. Movie. Yeah. And part of that is that it's silent. Yes. So you have this manic physical comedy going on, but there's no, there's no, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So th there, there's some kind of balance there. Whereas now you go to Thor, Love and Thunder and you've got huge special effects going on all the time. All the time. You've got physical comedy going on all the time. 
And then during the whole thing, everybody's talking the whole time. (laughs) Think of a time, think of a moment in that movie where somebody's not talking and saying something. That's true. Moments can't land. Moments can't land if everybody's talking all the time. That's right. (laughs) So, so zero moments land in Thor: Love and Thunder, which is really too bad because you do have people who are just so capable. Yeah, everybody involved in that movie is so capable. Very capable actors, like excellent. Some excellent actors have been incredible. It's the the female Ghostbusters answer the call. Isn't that what it's yeah. subtitled? It's that thing. Everybody involved is so capable and good and awesome, but nobody will shut up. <laughs> nobody. Right. right. Just chattering all the time. <laughs> I and mean, it was just like hurting my head. And I was just like, so it was funny after that. I just went back to an older movie that I loved. And I was like, I just want to go. And then I started explaining to my wife how I love how 80s movies were shot, like the camera lens and stuff. And there's something mm. different about that that I yeah. really like. I kind of like that. Well, it's on um, film, too. Yeah. There's so many. Once again, there's lots of ingredients there. And the reality filming that is actual like physical filming, like you feel the location, you know, that guy fell from that, that, that part of the building. It's like, wow, they really went through that window. Like, that's crazy. You know, like, get it right I the first that. time, get it right the first time, because there's no green screen here. No. We don't have infinite amounts of memory cards, you know, and right. stuff like that. We got this film, we have a budget. We have, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. Not to say that filmmakers don't deal with most of that stuff today still, but you think about a movie like Thor, Love and Thunder, and they're obviously improvising so much of the movie. Yeah, and that's right. You, you either can't do that with film because you have a very limited amount of film. Right. Or you need people who are so good at, good at improvisation that you know what you're going to turn out as gold. Yeah. And and let me hand it to Thor: Love and Thunder. Probably, in a different context, this would have been a very funny movie. Right. Get those same actors together. Have them improvise. Completely different movie where you don't have the expectations of things needing to actually land. You know, yeah. Hard and heavy. Um. And and then maybe, you know, maybe you have something that's really, really funny. I, I don't know. But, you know, one, once again, there's like. Even that Ghostbusters uh, answer the call movie, you know, there's so much stuff going on. The the special effects, the this, the that, everything happening all at once. Yes. And, and, and the side comments all the time and all this. You know, I. Think of the subtlety of the original Ghostbusters. We'll keep going back to this movie because so of the great, subtlety guys. of it. I'm sorry we keep going back, but it's yeah. so good. I watched it again last week. I'm not joking. Yeah, <laughs> it, it is worth rewatching. <laughs> classes of how to do com- comedy movies yeah. should be based around Ghostbusters. Seriously, literally, I'm Seriously, not exaggerating. No. There should be a whole semester on just this movie. Because you can break down every scene and figure out, it's like, why is this so funny? Why is it so memorable? Think of something like crossing the streams. Right. (laughs) That would be bad. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Wait a minute. (laughs) Didn't you say 
you know, crossing the streams. Yeah. yeah. There's so little action in Ghostbusters. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> because these guys are so outmatched that there's no way that they should be involved in, you know, actually fighting anything. So right. the only way they can do anything is to cross the streams, you know, right. and whatever happens there, you know, <laughs> voodoo science going on. But right. But that's the point of the comedy. It's like, these guys can't take on a demon dog. They can't take on Gozer. They can't take on even their own imagination. Yeah. Stay puff marshmallow, man. <laughs> right. They can't take on any of this stuff. No. They're so ill-equipped for any of it. And then you go back and you watch that Ghostbusters answer the call and, and you know, they're doing like flips and they're, they're like so good with all their technology and they're just kicking butt and everything. <laughs> it's like the original Ghostbusters do zero butt kicking. No, they're pretty they're lame so guys. bad at butt kicking. They're so bad at it. Yeah. They're just, like I said, the great <laughs> thing about the Winston character, kicked. he just wants a paycheck. He's not he trying to be a tough a guy. Paycheck. He just wants to get a paycheck. <laughs> like, Next time someone asks you if you're a god, <laughs> you say yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, okay, she's a dog. My girlfriend yeah. is a dog. <laughs> oh man. Uh -uh. Once again, you know what so like the underreacting to that. The underreacting is way funnier than overreacting to it. Underreacting to your girlfriend turning into a demon dog. Yeah is way funnier than overreacting to it. Underreacting to seeing the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man marching through city like Godzilla is way funnier than overreacting right. to it. Right, right. And what we have in most of these movies is so much overreacting, whether overreacting. it's through, you know, the manic kind of overreacting or it's through an overreacting of way too many jokes. Way too like many we, jokes. We, we couldn't decide which joke was funniest, so we just put them all in. It's crazy to me. I don't want any of that. Like I just like, and then you know what I watch right after that? I watch Groundhog Day right after that, which Bill Once Murray again. puts on a masterclass of acting actually in that movie. Yeah, he's he experiences so good. the full range of emotion over all these decades. Apparently, I looked it up that it the director said it's supposed to occur over 40, 50 years, this Groundhog Day. Wow. And he's like, and, and all the emotion. Like he he was serious in that movie several times yeah. and yeah. he was kind of funny. He was a jerk. You know, he was he was like everything. And it just he's, was super. He's not a tough guy, but he is once again, toxic masculinity. Yeah. at the Beginning. Right. Right. He's verbally abusive. He That's undermines right. everyone around him. Uh, he has no respect for his female um, co-worker. Right. You know, so on and so forth. You go down the list of traits that are defined toxic masculinity and bill murray is every single one of those right. traits i guarantee it other than maybe physically abusive although right i'm sure we can think of some point in the movie where he was physically abusive to somebody you know? <laughs> yeah i mean he punched the, the insurance guy that one that's time. right yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> ned ryerson <laughs> wow <laughs> that actor so good wow he's so good if he you've nailed seen him it. in other movies he's not always some goofy right comedic actor he's been in several movies where he's you know very serious and yeah he's, he's an actor with a great range and my goodness can you imagine anyone else in that role no i mean he's just so good and the way that they have to all right so groundhog's day perfect example of what we're talking about 
The comedy in that movie is repetition. It's discipline. It's discipline. You are disciplined to repeat the same scene over and over. Right. There's no improv. I don't know. Maybe there was some improv in the movie. Right. But in order for that movie to work, people have to hit their mark every time. Every time. That is disciplined comedy. What we don't see... Uh, in these movies that bomb terribly to us yeah. that are just so unfunny. There's just no discipline to the comedy, zero discipline. Yeah. That's, that's an amazing like insight. I mean, once Bill Murray, man, Bill Her freaking Murray, Harold Ramis directed it. I mean, okay. it's just Bill like, Murray, Harold Ramis getting together. They get know? together, they make magic. And it's just, I, I was actually talking to Michelle. I was, cause we were watching it both. And I said, the same thing, the discipline to keep performing the same scene over and over again with slight adjustments. Yeah. As you repeat the day is masterful. It's masterful. It's just Bill Murray trying to do. He, you know, he's just reacting differently to experiment and yeah. see what works and what <laughs> right. doesn't work. Right. And it's just so great. I mean, you would think a movie like if you were to describe that movie to me. And I have no idea who's in it, who's directing it, who wrote it. And you were just to say, oh, this guy just repeats the same day over yeah. and over again. And and so it just goes through different situations where he has to react differently and try to, you know, get a different outcome. I'd say that sounds really boring. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That sounds right. really You're like really this could boring. be a bad movie, but yeah. it's the opposite of that. It's, no, it's genius. Genius movie. Just is. Like even just he think you think Bill Murray funny, kind of, you know, quirky. But then, like, one of my favorite parts of the movie is, like, the parts where he tries to save the old guy over and over again. Oh, yeah. And how distraught he is by it. And just the ups and downs of life. Imagine having to just, where he just feels so drained about being alive every day. There's something beautifully tragic about that. If you think of what you're saying, I mean, obviously you thought of it. I'm just saying uh, generally the rest of us, if we're thinking about what you're saying right now, you know, Bill Murray is learning the ultimate lesson in how to be a human being yes. in this movie, how to care about people, how to accept mortality. Yes. How to, how to fall in love with somebody and not, you know, be a douchebag and take advantage of them. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Because, right. you know, when he falls, when he realizes he's in love with her, initially he's trying, he's really trying to manipulate. That's right. Everything. Because he doesn't know how to, how to love somebody. That's exactly right. Because that he's been so wrapped up in his world of toxic toxicity, he doesn't know how to love somebody. So this movie is Bill Murray's character learns that he has to work on himself. And if he just becomes the best version of himself, then what happens? Well, he he learns how to love other people and they in turn will love him because he's the best version of himself. Becomes the most he's, popular guy in town at yeah. the end. Everybody loves him. <laughs> like, and he's not somebody else, right? Yeah. He, I, I think may, maybe one of the messages of the movie is that Bill Murray in the beginning isn't himself. That's right. That is somebody who is trying to cover up all of their inadequacies with that toxicity. 
And he's obviously probably a very lonely person. He doesn't know how to love. So he doesn't love anybody and nobody loves him. But when he's able to shed all of that, gain confidence in himself, he doesn't turn into somebody else. He becomes the better version of himself. Right. right. He does I what a lot of people do. They try to yeah. bulldoze their way through life, through force and, you know, whatever version of force that is and thinks I'll be successful, but just running over people and imposing my will on people, you know, in that parallel, that brings us back to kindergarten cop, right? He's learning the same lesson. <laughs> yeah. Once again, his character isn't becoming somebody else. What does he do? He turns kindergarten into police school, right? He's like, I know how to do this. So I'll bring this to this. But it, so I'll bring the best of myself to this situation, and then I'll allow the best of these people around me to, you know, help me shed all this toxicity that yeah. I'm shielding myself from the world with. And once again, you know, he he learns so funny, like these terrible toxic people, you know. But they learn how <laughs> to love. It just sounds like a Disney. It thing, does, doesn't movies it? Movies are just so <laughs> so above. You know, the, the, the trite Disney stuff. Yeah. And um, it's interesting because Arnold Schwarzenegger had kind of done this movie before, but in a very different setting. The original Predator movie yeah. is the shedding of toxic masculinity. It is taking From the, the beginning. The, right? Yeah, it's taking the baddest guys on the planet guys who can just come into a jungle and just eradicate the opposition no right. problem and and they look like they're kind of having fun doing it that's right you no know? <laughs> that's right they're blowing up everything <laughs> but then they meet something that they none of them stand a chance against right nobody you know and you know, you see the fear, the fear, you see them get dismantled. You see Arnold Schwarzenegger's character get completely dismantled to where he's just lying in a pile of mud, hoping that the predator doesn't kill him because right. that's all he can do. There's nothing else he can do except lie there in the mud and hope he doesn't die. Yes, literally <laughs> that thing splashes in the water and he's, crawling up there and you see the fear that was great by Arnold. He, he looked scared actually in that. And I appreciated that. And then once he realized like, Oh, they can't see me, you know, there's something awesome about that scene too. Yeah. <laughs> like once again, no words, right? No words. He doesn't have to say, Oh no, or, Oh, this is bad. Or, you know, <laughs> Because you know, if you know, if it had been Thor: Love and Thunder, it would have been some kind of like rut row, you know. It's <laughs> been a dumb something, joke in that say scene. Something like... stupid, you know. <laughs> and how many moments in Predator are actually really funny? Right. There's a lot of really funny, like, funny moments. We're in their it. helicopter, you know. Yeah. And they're talking. I... You know, you're bleeding. I don't got time to bleed. That wasn't even supposed to, to be funny. I don't even yeah. think. I was like. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious. But that is, that's what makes comedy great is when it's used, um, I guess, in doses. In doses. Yes. You know, if you look at a lot of Taika Waititi's other work, that's really funny. Mm -hmm. um, Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. Yeah. What a hilarious movie. 
there, there's also everybody's crying at the end. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, oh, you know, it's such a, and <laughs> that's one of the best lines in cinema history. F you, Hitler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. I, I went to go see that with my daughter, Sonny, and we were crying laughing so hard at that, at that scene where he kicks right. Hitler through the window yeah, and yeah. says, F you, Hitler. <laughs> and we realized that we were the only ones laughing. Still oh, hard. no. It was like, why doesn't anybody understand how funny this yeah. is and how great this is? Anyway. No. But you know that that's ah man I I you see we're revealing stuff good. here though we're revealing a lot of really important human things and dissecting these movies and it feels like today it's like are you presenting who you actually are and the movie's uh, saying no this is just a weird toxic version of yourself someone you think you should be in order to be successful in life Versus like when kindergarten cop, I love like towards the end when like he talks to the kid, he's like, I have a son. I actually don't see him that much, yeah, you know, yeah. like he admits to himself. It's not going well. It's yeah. just not good. You know, like that's real. Yeah. That's honesty. That 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 once again, you know, you're saying, but the, these Thor movies, Thor one, Thor yeah. two, Thor three basically a different character in each one it's a different character yeah and now thor 4 this thor love and thunder is kind of the heightened version of the one in thor 3 yeah but even the one in thor 3 you know he's he's funny but he takes things seriously he does and the one in thor and love and thunder he just this is a joke man yeah he just there's nothing and so in, in their very spare few moments when you're supposed to take something seriously, yeah, the scene is so condensed and short and feels like it's cut for time that you don't have any, there's no time to. Yeah. If you, if you describe the plot elements of this movie, Thor, Love and Thunder, it's a great movie. Right. And it has a wonderful ending. If you just describe them. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, if you were to present me right. just the storyboard of Thor Love and Thunder with the most basic elements storyboarded for me, I would say this is slam dunk. This is right. going to be amazing. <laughs> Look at the opposite, man. <laughs> and I'll tell you another thing that happens is that um, in a movie like Kindergarten Cop, the bad people do bad things. They do. Gore? We never really see him do anything in no. Thor Love and Thunder. It's only mentioned that he's doing things. Right. We as an audience need to see it to believe it. You just tell me a guy is bad. If you were to, if you were to never to men, like show Darth Vader. Right. And we just keep mentioning that he's bad. Then we don't care. It takes the sting out of it, man. You know? But we immediately see Darth Vader march onto that ship and choke somebody That's with right. one hand. That's our first interaction with Darth Vader. And then he creates fear. You're like, wow, this guy's not messing around. Yeah. <laughs> this is a serious From dude. that moment forward, <laughs> you know you don't mess around with Darth Vader. Yeah, this is serious. Gore, unfortunately, Christian Bale 
gosh, that actor, he just deserved so much more in that. Yeah. Movie. I mean, did. you know what yeah. I mean? It, to do the work that he was doing, the acting that he was doing. Yeah. He just deserved to be doing it in such a better movie. I agree. Like he deserved to have a lot more scenes. Actually, I heard somebody make this point and I thought it was awesome. They said this should have been just the girl Thor. Mm. The guy Thor shouldn't have been in this movie. Interesting. If it would have just been about her dealing with cancer and having to face off against Gore the, the God Butcher on her own, this might have this movie might have had a chance at being something yeah. powerful and good. That's you interesting. Still make it funny. Yeah. But you have to you you but when, you have to take away some of these elements. You just you, yeah. boom boom, you know, pull some of these things out so that we can concentrate on something. Right. Because apparently Thor, the character Thor, apparently there's nowhere to go with him because we keep on apparently. trying. He, he keeps on trying to find out what he's supposed to do with himself. That's like, exactly you've been, right. You've been doing that for four movies now. I'm sorry. <laughs> he just can't figure it out. <laughs> and then he mentions that he's 1,500 years old. It's like, I'm sorry. I can't relate to you. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Trying it's to like, be Zen, you know, he's trying to like figure out yeah. his life. Like it just seems like a guy who's trying to adult. He's like, Oh, I have to figure out this adulting thing. You know, it's like it's literally what he's like. And please don't tell me that somebody who has grown up in this advanced culture and society is this stupid I after fifteen hundred years of life. <laughs> <laughs> That's a total Simon comment. That's like that's <laughs> a total comment from you. <laughs> it's typical. I, I'm just saying it's like like the guy Gore. Okay. He seems a lot smarter than Thor. I know. He's been living a lot shorter life. Yeah. I'm just, you know, like Thor is supposed to be this cosmic traveling right. adventurer. And there are elements of that Thor, especially in the first movie. Right. And there are elements of that Thor in Ragnarok, the third one. Yes. There are elements of that Thor. But we never quite see that Thor who just loves adventure. He's kind of happy-go-lucky. Like, he he just wants to be on an adventure. Yeah. That's kind of Thor in, in the Marvel Universe outside right. the movies. And he delights in 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 being in these adventures and everything like that. But he's also just not an idiot because he's been around for you know fifteen hundred years, and he and his father is Odin, right? <laughs> the All Father, <laughs> and he has traveled the universe. And during that time, he has collected a vast amount of knowledge and experience. But he's so and stupid. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I just think that Thor would have been actually a lot more fun and funny. Yeah. Than the Thor we got. Yeah. And Chris Hemsworth is a marvelous actor and he would have been yeah. completely capable of being that kind of Thor. And he could have still said funny things. He could still be made a fool of because that would have been him being made a fool of even funnier if we could take him seriously to begin with, like right. the Arnold Schwarzenegger right. character. Right. It's funny that he's being made a fool of because we took him so seriously to begin with. Right. <laughs> That's a great point. It's really true. I mean, I also liked in the first Thor's like 
the mystery of Asgard and this kind of whole separation of Earth and Asgard and the realms and this kind of mythology behind yeah. it. There was a seriousness about that that I thought was really I connected with. And then once you just kind of know the world, then they started making it kind of funny. And it's like, yeah. oh, it's pretty funny there. You know, it's like, I mean, is it? I don't know. It's like, well, even in the third movie, they did a really good job. Like Thor Ragnarok, the reason that worked, even though the comedy did feel forced sometimes, right. I have to admit, in Thor Ragnarok, the, yeah, the for comedy sure. felt forced sometimes. It felt like it didn't need to be there. Um, but it, it, the movie as a whole, I think, still worked because it was taking the mythology that we thought we knew and flipping it. Right. And saying, oh, you know, this guy Odin, he's not, he wasn't always so benevolent and, right. and righteous and just. We used to be conquerors and the unveiling of the mural underneath the mural and things yeah, like that. You know? Yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff, it works because it's going back to the spirit of the first movie, That's which right. is to do kind of this Shakespearean family tragedy. Once again, this is why Star, the original Star Wars tr trilogy works. This is why these epic films work because they're taking even when they're funny they're taking the source material seriously yes yes and that's what's thrown out the window in love and thunder completely we don't the source material is not taken seriously at all it, it it's it's almost like taika waititi didn't doesn't like any of it yeah you know what you're right about it that's why he's like, like oh that. i'm not into that stuff like like the Sam Raimi, the Spider-Man he did with um, Sandman and Venom. Yeah. I think if I'm not mistaken, it's the Venom character that he didn't want to do. He doesn't he didn't want to have yeah. that character in the movie. And it shows. Yeah, it definitely shows. <laughs> he doesn't care about that character at all. And that movie would have been so much stronger with just Sandman. Yeah. And then also, I think Green Goblin Jr. Is yeah. in that one too, or something yeah. like that. Even even with Green Goblin Jr. and Sandman, you have you have enough villains. You, have plenty. you don't need Venom and Sam Raimi was obviously didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but you can just tell, you know, you, you can, can tell. Just tell that that the that the director has no love. Yes. For that. And that's what it just felt like in this movie, that he had no love for the source material. He had no love for what the fans of the source material. love. Yeah. And when a director doesn't have that, they don't bring that kind of passion, that love to it. It's it's obvious when you're watching. It's so obvious. It's like when somebody makes a meal and you can tell they didn't work that hard to put the love in it. You're like, hmm. Yeah. You just, <laughs> did you rush this? Like, what is it like? Yeah. You know, compare that to Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. I think he got the book, the source material that, that the movie's based on. He, I think his mother lent him the book or something like that. And he just fell in love with the book. He's like, Oh yeah, God, you know, I want to do this. It shows. Yeah. In every scene in that movie, it shows that he loves this source material. He loves this story. He loves all the elements of the story. He can still make it funny. And Taika Waititi. Yeah. You know, but the source material is there and it's taken seriously. Yeah. Even when the Nazis are silly. Sure. And they're even likably silly. Like he humanizes the leaders of the Nazis in, in that area. You know, he makes them sympathetic characters to do. That is really towing a very sensitive yeah. line. 
It sure is. And he does it with such grace in Jojo Rabbit to where, right. I mean, breaking down that movie is so impressive as well. And, but once again, he loves the source material. Right. And I just feel like he didn't care about it and Thor Love and Thunder. And yeah, it's just, that's why the Arnold movies are great. They're basically one-offs. I think we said this before. They're essentially one-offs. Yeah. There's no, you know, forerunner to them. They're just like standalone films. And they is a turning, a shifting of the character during all the films. And you feel it. You're like, oh, man, this is there's a lot of depth to this. I didn't think there was going to be depth to this. Yeah. It's like like if you remember watching the kindergarten cop trailer back, in, it just seems like it was going to be a funny kid type of Arnold's kind of like doing a funny movie. Yeah. You don't see the depth coming. You no. don't see that in the trailer. And then in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh my gosh, it's really violent. Yeah, you're <laughs> there, like, isn't, wow. there isn't a ton of violence, right? But the violence that is there is real violence. It feels feels real violent. Yes, it's not cartoon. It's no, the, the danger is real. That's what we should really be saying. The danger feels real. Danger feels real. The danger never feels real in Thor: Love and No. The danger never no. feels real in you know the pacifier with Vin Diesel. There's no real danger in, in these kinds of movies. And that's what separates the men from the boys. Yeah. Know? How the, can you the, go to all these planets and Thor and like everybody's just funny? Like they're supposed to be funny. All these aliens yeah. are like cracking jokes. I'm like, that's stupid. That's not even how it probably would be. I mean, come on. It's like, no. And, come on. and how much once again, how much funnier would, would it be if they weren't cracking jokes? Right. How much funnier would it be if they if you could just take anyone like in the scene, seriously, just one person, just one person, even one, I'd take one, <laughs> Give me one, but you can't, nobody can be taken seriously. And so it doesn't work. And no, it doesn't work. Once again, you go back. If you're going for this ensemble cast, once again, go back to the original ghostbusters. The, you have Peter Venkman who you don't take seriously. No. But then Ray and Egon, you do take seriously. And right. Winston, he takes he takes everything seriously. Yeah. He doesn't crack any jokes. Does Winston have a, a, a an awesome joke in the original Ghostbusters? I don't think so. He's just trying to get a paycheck, no. man. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, his funniest line Twinkie? is... <laughs> his funniest line is that, you know, Ray, if somebody asks you if you're a god, you say yes. That's his funniest line yeah. in the whole movie. Yeah. But it's not a funny line in and of itself. It's funny because of what just happened to them. Right. And because he's taking the the situation seriously. You know? Um anyway, so that that's just well once again it's there should be a course called Ghostbusters 101, Ghostbusters yeah. 201, Ghostbusters 301, all the way through 401. You just keep studying this movie and the different yeah. elements of it and to see how to make a comedy that works on not just one level, not just every yeah. single level, a comedy that like that works. And then you you juxtapose it and you, you do courses in Thor, Love and Thunder and you say, <laughs> this is why a comedy doesn't work on every single level level <laughs> right i think it was also the amazing thing was like a comedian like eddie murphy doing all those early movies which were hilarious the 48 yeah. hours golden shot whatever it is he's like it's a comedian but the timing and how the it was put together 
fantastic. You know, the buddy cop roles. I mean, you're talking about the originators of kind of the buddy, the buddy cop people and Nick Nolte. You know, it's just amazing. You know, and then when they try to do those now, it's just over the top. It's literally over the top. One of my all time favorite movies of the 80s is the original Beverly Hills Cop. movie. So good. Oh, so good. But once again, it's like, yeah, most of the scenes are just funny. It's Eddie Murphy. He's being funny. Yeah. Um, But it's also scripted. You know, it's not just Eddie Murphy being funny. Right. He's actually doing things that are in the script. You know, you, you can't improvise a banana in the tailpipe. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, no, no, no. That was in the script. Yeah. Um, And then the bad guys are actually bad. They're bad. That's right. And they are, you know, his first encounter with the bad guys, his best friend gets murdered. His second encounter with the bad guys, he's get, he gets thrown through a window and right. arrested because he's a he's a shabby looking black guy yeah, in Beverly yeah. Hills yeah. who just broke through a window. <laughs> you know, so I mean, there's all these elements where it's just like they actually tackle kind of some real things, right? But then they do it with Eddie Murphy, so it's hilarious. And then we have <laughs> our first Hammond, look baby. at Balky Bartakamus. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember. Bronson Pinchot? Oh, yeah. I remember him. And uh, uh, was it, His, what's the show he was did with that guy? Uh, Perfect Strangers. Perfect Strangers. Yeah. But, you know, he's brilliant in that movie. Yeah. I mean, he has this, this small little part. Right. <laughs> so good, though. <laughs> but he's perfect, you know. Oh, what you think that's sexy? That's not sexy. <laughs> he's like the dude in Ghostbusters, too. He's like, everything you're doing is terrible. I just want yeah. you to know. <laughs> <laughs> so, but once again, I mean, so yeah, the bad guys really feel bad. There's a lot of danger there. Yeah, these guys are gonna kill, they, they kill people. And it's real and it's, you see yeah. them do it on screen and they have no remorse and they're, they're just bad people. Uh, you know, Gore, the God butcher, you're never really, I was never convinced no. that he was actually going to stay bad. Yeah. Same I was here. Con- I, I, the whole time I was convinced he's going to turn and he does and blah, 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 you know, sorry, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen That's the movie, right. but you know, he does, you know, in the end he, he, he realizes the error of his ways, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that he was corrupted by the sword or whatever, you know, I mean, it's all so silly, but you know, you can see that from the get go. It's just like, yeah, this guy isn't really a bad guy. Yeah. So he's not threatening really. He got into QAnon, uh, you know, (laughs) just like he got swayed by a weird thing, man. (laughs) man. (laughs) The necromancer was the cult. I was like, (laughs) It's <laughs> just what happened. Yeah, it really. I mean, that that, that kind of breaks it down pretty. You had to be deprogrammed, well, you know. Like, yeah, <laughs> and it's so corny, you know. I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know. They have a running, but even the running theme of the movie, which is to choose love. Yes, it's it's not really a running theme. Yeah. It's mentioned, I think, twice in the whole movie. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and so if you're going to have a movie with strong themes and I don't mean you have to beat us over the head with it. I don't even mean you need, even need to talk about it, yeah. but you need to show something. You need to show characters who are struggling to do the thing 
that yes. you're that you're that you're trying to say that they have to do in the end but we're not we don't see it ever we just see awkwardness that's and... groundhog day he's struggling the whole movie to get to this point where he's not in the same day over that's literally the entire and movie so he you know we broke it down he he starts starts out as a very toxic individual and he becomes the best version of himself and that's how he escapes the groundhog right. day name one time in that movie that they actually mention that's what, how to do it or that's what happened right nobody <laughs> talks about it nobody talks about it no. you just watch it happen and you watch it happen in a brilliant way yes it unfolds once again movie making one but but you don't, nobody has to say it because you're watching it. They're, they're showing it so well <laughs> that even if you walk out of the movie theater, not be even articulating that it's subconsciously it's in you. That's yeah. what you, you get that from it. You get that. Um, even if you want to take it back to like Christianity or some kind of spirituality, yeah. like to escape purgatory, you have to re repent and yeah. become this best version of yourself. And uh, this is, this is, that's this movie. Yeah. And uh, that dialogue or that conversation is so ingrained in our Western culture. Yes. And, and even in Eastern culture, and maybe even more in Eastern culture and cultures like Buddhism and things like that, where you are reincarnating to try and become right. better and better and better and try to, you know, and, and find and eventually reach enlightenment, which Bill Murray does in this movie. He reaches <laughs> right. enlightenment. He becomes the Buddha. He's great at playing the <laughs> piano at the end. He's amazing. He's, you know, he's like, he's just, he scores on every level. I mean, yeah. He French. plays that boogie woogie and then yeah, he's able to he's... like whip off the sunglasses at the end. That's right. That's right. He has learned a <laughs> lifetime of skills throughout that. He becomes the most interesting man in the world. He does. You're right? right. Pretty much. Right. <laughs> Without ever leaving the town he's in. Right. He doesn't have to travel the world. He doesn't have to travel the universe like Thor does. Right. Yeah. And he still becomes the most interesting. <laughs> and, and I mean, there's so many subtle messaging in that movie. Yeah. He's stuck in a podunk town where nothing interesting is happening. The only interesting thing that happens is, is punks Tony Phil. Yeah. And right. And to to the to Bill Murray's character Phil, that is not interesting. No, this he does is not, not a place like he this. wants to be. He no. You know. And what does he say at the end? Let's live here. Let's live here. Let's rent first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, once again, brilliant undercut. Right. Like it's real Bill. tiny at the end. Let's live yeah. here. Well, let's rent first. <laughs> <laughs> Like he's still struggling somewhat. There's a little something in yeah. there still, you know, he's, he's probably, you know, he says that cause he's fallen in love with the town, but then he realizes that he's just spent 40 or 50 years. Here. Yeah. He's like, maybe I actually do need to leave this yeah, place. Go somewhere else for a little bit, at least, you know, like, <laughs> you know? yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we just can't say enough good about that movie. And what's interesting when you've this goes back to the Thor being 1500 years old and still being an idiot yeah. because you and I have only been around about 45 mm -hmm. years. And if you're only looking at us or hearing us talk about movies, you, you might think that's our only education, <laughs> right? 
we've been brought up on movies, right. right? Because we keep using movies to talk about movies. Yeah. But even we understand, like we, we, we get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like there's a knowledge course. there. And so when we see a bad movie, it reminds us of all the great qualities of a good of a good yes movie yes it teaches us it's it's almost like you, we couldn't understand how good the good movie was yeah until we saw the bad movie we're just like oh my gosh it's so true and hey, we man, had to wonder why is this so bad i experienced this so many times last weekend it, it blow your mind i went through like a gaggle <laughs> of movies man i was like you know what simon will be happy proud of me for this and i'm like you know what i'm gonna watch I'm going to watch the prequel to the Lord of the Rings. Let's see what this is all about on Amazon. Oh, the Amazon series. Horrible. I'm oh, sorry. I just bad. horrible to me. Per my purse. I was watching. I was watching this with my daughter because she has a great eye for movies. She's like mm. a savant with this. She looks at me. She goes, another bad one, daddy. Really Aww. bad. She's like, there's something wrong with the filming of this and the characters. There's something mm. off. I say, yeah, I feel the same way. But it, then it made me appreciate the other, the, the, the original versions, the movies, Lord of the Rings, and how well that was, and all the effort that was put into that. Yeah. And the real, and I was like, yeah, they actually filmed a lot of the scenes in, uh, what was it, New Zealand or something like that? Yep. And they built the sets. They built the Hobbit homes and all this stuff. Yep. And there was so much of that. And go none and of that. Them. It was yeah. CGI to hell in this new thing, man. It was crazy. I think that's a theme for us is too much CGI is like, there's something wrong with that, man. Because they actually went and filmed this one in Scotland. Yeah. It's just So you, there's enough there in Scotland. You don't need to see. You don't everything. need that. I'm telling you, man. But yeah, I, I, I realized that there's so many like set pieces that they want to go maybe over the top with. Yeah. You know, and in order to go over the top, they they can't they can't imagine that we can imagine. Right. Does that makes right, sense. Right. That's a good point. So, <laughs> That's actually a really good point. <laughs> so there's a new Willow series coming out based oh, on Oh, I loved Willow. Willow. Disney Plus is is doing it. I oh think. no! I hope this isn't bad, man. I hope <laughs> they they're bringing back some of the old people. So oh, hopefully good. So the original actor who played Warwick Davis, yeah, he's yeah. Willow again. Okay, good. I think the um the romantic or the daughter of Bev Mort. I can't remember her name. The mm -hmm. redhead. I think she's in it too. Hopefully she's not just a cameo. Hopefully she's got yeah. like an actual role in it. But um. Anyway, what I'm what I was getting at is that um, in the original Willow movie, I, I'm sure there's special effects. I mean, sure. there obviously are. There obviously are special effects. But when you go to a castle, they either they either went to some old castle or they built something. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Amazon spent something like a billion dollars or something like this on this new Lord of the Rings thing. It's the most Bad, expensive man. TV series they've <laughs> ever done. It's like, well, why why not just build real sets? Yeah. I why they not? can't imagine that we imagine. That's yeah. such a great line. I'm gonna use that. Simon, that was like I feel like every episode there's something so profound that one of us says, and we yeah. have no clue it's coming. Like no clue. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> like, if you just 
talk about profound things, profound things will get said. <laughs> right. It just you know? came out. I was like, wait a minute. They don't think that we'll recognize that this is not the thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, seriously, you know, and, and, and I think it's a subconscious thing. Yeah. I, I think, you know, these filmmakers are going for grandeur. They're going, yeah. for, you know, they, they're going for spectacle and they're, they're not, but, but what's really going on though, under the surface of that is trying to pull the wool over our eyes yeah. and say, you know, if I put enough spectacle in this movie, then you won't have to use your brain. Yeah. And you, you hear what I'm saying, but yeah, I want to use my brain. Yeah. Yeah. You can leave lots of things to my imagination. Agreed. Agreed. That and, was, and the, when, yeah, totally. That's the beautiful thing about Wind River. I know we're going to go back to some stuff we reviewed before. It just felt so real to me. Yeah. Like I could see myself there being cold. Yeah. And like, wow, this is, this is a serious movie. Like there's no messing around here. I, I really appreciated that. You know, it's so much of that is the, whoever's sitting behind that camera. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that they're able to capture in the lens either, you know, the coldness of cold. That sounds weird. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm a I'm a photographer, so I, I understand at, at 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 least at some level that what you're doing behind the lens informs everything that you're taking that photo of. So I can make an area feel claustrophobic or I can yeah. make it feel huge and expansive just by how, like what lens I choose, what I, you know, where I choose to film, where, what I choose to shoot anyway, on, so on and so forth. So I don't, we don't need so many special effects. That's just the, the, the long and the short of it. Go to Scotland. <laughs> There's lots of castles. Yeah, There's lots on. of all this stuff. You know, pretend you're making a Monty Python film and you have no <laughs> budget, you know, right. and actually like go to a castle and use that and, you know, and, and so on and so forth. And and trust me, it'll look better than what you were doing. Agreed. It just will. Hands down. Hands down. And then you can make enhancements to the real. Right. Because making the CGI enhancements to the real always looks better than just building the CGI. Yeah. You know, there's um, there's a, a a long shot in one of the uh, Star Wars prequel movies, and there's like a bunch of waterfalls. Yeah, you know what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about where yeah, they use the exactly salt. Exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of trying to animate the water, which would have looked fake, they use something real that isn't water. Right. And it looks like water. <laughs> right. That is the brilliance of what so many of these people who can make the models and work behind the camera, yeah. that is their genius. And I, I sound like I'm saying that people who work in CGI aren't genius as sure. well. They do, they do stuff all the time. That's totally genius. But what we're saying is all the time, combine the two, marry the two, enhance with CGI. But when it's all CGI, we can see it. We know it's not real <laughs> and we don't care about it anymore. I can't imagine we that we care. imagine. That's just so good. <laughs> it's like, but you know, the bad thing about doing this podcast, now I'm looking for stuff. Like I'm like watching a movie. I'm like, come on, man, don't do this. 
Yeah. Don't do this. <laughs> Come on. I just saw some bad CGI. This is not a good sign. It, it <laughs> <It's> really. Like, <laughs> shouldn't we be past this? It's like the monorail. This is a new technology. Like, how can this be <laughs> done poorly again? <laughs> like, have you ever watched that YouTube channel? Actually, I think I sent you one of them. So maybe I know you have to at least watch one of them where it's the pitch meeting. Yes. It's one guy yeah. and he's playing both characters, yes. the writer and the producer. And anyway, um, they were talking they did one about the prequels i think they were doing the the second one and uh somebody was one of them was saying you know we're gonna go all i think as a producer he's like we're gonna go all in on this cgi and the other guy's saying don't you think that eventually that'll look dated it's like you don't understand how good this looks it looks <laughs> amazing it'll never get better blah 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 so on and so forth and i think that's where we keep landing on cgi is that for whatever reason, filmmakers or film producers or the production company or whatever, they keep thinking that we've we've come to some point in CGI where it's it's just perfect and like it's and, indistinguishable and, from reality. Yeah. Like no, and it's like no, it's it's totally distinguishable. Yeah, like your eye when sees it's used it immediately. In large doses when you're right. when it's used in large, but once again, when it's used subtly, and it's mixed in and it's and it's enhancing the real. Now we were fooled. Batman, we're fooled. when they went, when the car went through the big fire, that was really done. And then they yeah. enhanced it slightly after and post. I was like, wow, that made it even better. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. Like they did it like one or two shots. That was it. They had very little room for error to make that scene. Like that makes it better knowing that to me. Yeah. And the great filmmakers know how to do that. Um, not that long ago, we watched True Lies, my wife and I. Did. Oh, I love that movie, man. Another Arnold classic, man. Yeah. <laughs> the opening mansion that he breaks into and he comes yeah. through the frozen lake. There's a wide shot that shows the lake and the mansion or whatever. Yeah. Apparently, that's a composite. The lake isn't really there with wow. the mansion. They put those two together. They were doing that back in the 90s. Yeah. It's possible to do these effects and to make them look so real that we don't, I would have never looked at that and thought, oh, that's no. a composite. No. But but they were using two real things. That's a real lake. That's a real house. We'll composite right. them together. And it's at night so we can get away with some stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, but you just, the, the filmmaker has to be wise enough and judicious enough to know what can be done and what can't be done and you know and what's going to look real and what's not going to look real and you know the, everything about the beginning of that movie is kind of ridiculous but it's all yeah. looks real too when the dogs True. jump at him and he slams their heads together right yeah obviously they didn't use two real dogs but it right. looked real but it looked pretty it real quick enough they looked yeah, yeah they did it quick it enough pretty real they, Today, they would have used computer-generated dogs, and you would have seen it, and you would have seen that they were computer-generated. Yes, it would have been laughable. You know it. it would have been stupid. But in this context, it, I was fooled. I didn't care. It, yeah. It was, it was and great. it's so unexpected. It comes so out of left field. We're <laughs> yeah. not expecting him to smash their heads together. Right. And they don't make a big deal of it. Just move on. No, they just move on. Once yeah. again, comedic timing is it, it's all in how you, you keep moving along. There's, there's stupid things about that movie. You know, Tom Arnold. We, Actually, I, I was going to say that. 
We could take him out of the movie. Yeah, I think he was the the over the top per- person. Like he yeah. was the guy. It's like, oh, this is a little too much. Like going yeah. for the joke. Once again, again, he he doesn't shut up. He doesn't shut up. There's no silence from this. Yeah, it's like yeah. not believable that he's in this agency to me. Exactly. It's like it doesn't make any sense. With yeah, I was like, really? He's not. They can, yeah. he couldn't even make that. Like he could never yeah. be in that agency. I'm <laughs> like, I think they were hoping that he would be, you know, his new Danny DeVito. Right. But Tom Arnold, you know, I have nothing against the guy, but he's not the actor Danny DeVito. No, is, that's for sure. No. He doesn't have those acting chops. And and once again, like we just said, he just won't shut up. If you're yeah. going to have a fast talking guy, um, you have to use them once again, judiciously. Yes. There have to be moments when they're doing the fast talking and, and saying a lot. And then there have to be moments when they know it's or, or the director knows they need to shut up so that we can. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, totally true, man. Because if you have people who go off on rants, they they need we we can't have too many of those rants. No, no. Or they have to be so superb and and so uh, I'm going to use the word eloquent that the rants have to be so good that we can't wait for the next one. Yes. They have to yes. be so clever. But when it's Tom Arnold, the rant's not going to be oh. that clever. Let's face it. No, it's definitely you know, not. It's not going to be that clever. <laughs> it's not going to be that good, man. <laughs> it just didn't need to be in there. You know, it's like that movie was great to me also because it was another movie where Arnold kind of turns. Like he presents one version of himself. He's living this other version of himself. Yep. And then those worlds merge and you start to learn some things. You know, it's yeah. that's what's interesting to me about it. I love, you know, the movie to me is actually, um, what's her name? The actress. Oh, um, Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. She's so good in that movie. To me, that's her movie. Oh my gosh. She's so good. She, the, the most disappointing thing about that movie is that she's excluded from the end set piece. Right. And, and that's a real shame because for me, this is Jamie Lee Curtis's movie. She's so good in it. Like you just said, and, um, she's, her character is not one of these feminine characters who's just good at everything. She's actually bad at everything. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But she's tenacious and she's strong and she's got a will to survive and to save her marriage. That's right. And all these kinds of things. And she wants some kind of adventure. She wants excitement. She's tired of being like the tip stereotypical person who's at home you know, she's like yearning for this bigger life, you know, yes, that her husband has. <laughs> she <Yeah>. doesn't know. <laughs> so amazing. <laughs> but her character is, is so vulnerable, relatable, all those key words that we yes. want in a character that we're going to fall in love with and that we can even when she's doing her sexy dance, you know, she falls yeah, down. Yeah. She's she awkward, goes, though. <laughs> she's so amazing at, at everything she does in that movie. And that movie, it's kind of funny to say that a, a an Arnold Schwarzenegger vehicle is when we get to see the best out of an actress yeah. or an actor. Yeah. But really, it's like Jamie Lee Curtis is is good in everything she does. Yes. But that movie allowed her to shine in such a way that was... Yeah. that. That was that was just amazing to me. Yeah, you know, it, it really was, and, and she she's always been a favorite actress of mine. Ever me since too, the 80s, man. I saw her in things like Trading Places and stuff like oh, that. Oh, so good. I, you know, <laughs> you know, talk uh, about a movie that's hilarious, man. Yeah, 
Yeah. We might have to talk about that movie next time. That one's time. a good one. That's that like a, a really yeah. funny movie, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. I mean, come on, man. What, what a yeah. different take on Dan Aykroyd, man. Like, yep. a very different take. It's like, oh, I really don't like him. Like, yes. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And once we have the, the Prince and the Pauper thing and right. both people um, changing. Yeah. And, you know, come together and all these kinds of things. Well, we can talk about that next time. I think the want. next yeah. time is this is actually a funny, like privilege aspect to that movie. Oh, that they yeah. ride hard yeah. and then they pull you in a different. That's just that seems to be the theme of a lot of these movies. Just change. We're watching this person change. This is not who they actually are. This is the outward presentation. This isn't who they are. I, I just mm -hmm. I am so into that theme and almost any movie. Like that's well put together. It's like, oh, I want to see the metamorphosis of this person yeah. because it reflects your own life. It just yeah. does. Everybody's putting on a face all the time. Hey, do you like this face? What if I put this mask on? Will you love me? Will you be into me? I'm like, you got to love yourself, man. Like, you know, <laughs> the only person in that movie, Trading Places, who is their authentic self of the leads is Jamie Lee Curtis. Right. Right. The whore. Right. Which is just wonderful because she is unashamed of her profession. That's right. She is who she is. Take me or leave me. You know, we're, we can still be friends. We can still yep. have a relationship, you know. And I think movies like that have, have done wonders for breaking some of the stigmas yeah. about prostitutes and right. prostitution and things like that. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis in that movie, she's smart. She's savvy. Um, she's making her way in the world the way she wants to. Yeah. You know, so true. And, and, and she's, she's, she's honest about it, you know, and she's very, and like honest. I say, she's not ashamed. Yeah. She's not a con person. She's not a liar. She's not a thief. She's not any of these things. No. She's just, she's just working the streets. She's working the streets. It is just <laughs> the great thing about these conversations. Half of this stuff. I don't think I ever took this deep of a view of some of these movies because they were just very surfacey to me as yeah. a child or a young person watching it. I mean, I think a lot of the stuff we're talking about, you and I were watching this at hilarious ages, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you I know? mean, we, we were watching these movies at like the most brain dead age imaginable, <laughs> you know? I mean, trading places, what were we, eight? Exactly. It came out, you know. It's so good. Like you thought it, yeah. oh, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> you miss so much of what's <laughs> actually no happening. Idea. You just yeah. miss. <laughs> well, what's amazing to me is to watch these movies with adults and to see that they're missing most of it too. That's true. Yeah. And okay, so I earlier I said, you know, we get most of our education for movies and that and that that might be true to an extent but i think you and i are we're both educated sure beings yeah. we both done our time at university and all that kind of stuff you have all your conversations on yeah. your podcast with uh amazingly intelligent people right. of diverse backgrounds and, and professions and things like that um uh i i study a lot of history philosophy yeah. and those types of things we're bringing all of that information into every movie we watch and every discussion that that's we right have. none of that could we have brought into at eight years old obviously <laughs> no. but my other point and this is once again not to talk down to anybody but i i just feel like 
when when we brought up Thor earlier, that he's been around for fifteen hundred years yeah. and he's been traveling the galaxy, and he should be a lot smarter than that. Really and I feel like be. that about a lot of the adults that I know. Yeah. And I find that it's not because they're not smart. Everybody is smart and everybody is kind of genius in at least some something mm. that they do. But I think there's a lot of, as adults, we maybe become less curious. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. That's the weird thing we about Thor. Like, yeah. Because he's seen so many different, think about it. He's seen all these different realms, all these different type of people, all these different type of aliens, whatever. And he's still kind of an idiot. Like, how is that possible? Yeah. Like, if you stepped on another planet and you saw something else, it would profoundly change your experience of being a human being. Like for the Thor, best, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best version of the movie Thor was actually in the first, what, what was it? The, the, they had the two-part Avengers movie, right? To like, yeah, yeah. And the whole Thanos thing. Yeah. The first one of those, when he goes to build his new axe, yeah. that's the best version of Thor. Agreed. That's, Agreed. Chris Hemsworth acts the hell out of those. There was scenes. a desperation in Thor at that yes. point. It felt like a lot was on the line for Thor. Yes. He had seen his entire civilization. He he was responsible for his right. entire civilization coming to an end, basically. Um, he had just watched his brother die. Before that, his mother died. Before that, his father died. You know, yeah. everybody's... He he's basically lost almost everything, and now he needs to figure out a way to stop everyone else from losing everything. Yeah, you know, and um, but he has scenes in that. You know, there's like some scene where he's talking about Thanos, and and he's talking about how old he is, and he's said, you know, about all the enemies he's faced, and yeah. I can't, you know, I'm not gonna be able to remember, but right. he says something along the lines of. Thanos will just be, or everybody he beat up to that point had, they didn't want to die. They wanted to beat him, but he says something about like fate willed it so that he was going to come out the victor. And this Thanos will just be one more in the long line of defeated foes. Yeah. That kind you know, the script is so good. So it go is. watch that scene to hear him say it and he hear him and watch him tearing up and, you know, doing all these things. Yep. I mean, he's he's such a good actor. He and that's really why is. it's so disappointing. Love yes. Thor, Love and Thunder that's is right. so disappointing because because the wasted talent that goes You've seen into the depth a movie of Thor. Like You've seen yes. the depth and the like the the seriousness and where he could go with it. It just made yes. him stupid. Yeah. <laughs> then, like, We've established that this is I mean, one of the most powerful moments in any Marvel movie is when he appears in Wakanda in that movie and he says, he yells, bring me Thanos. Yes. You know, because he yeah. is so full of confidence now right. that he is going to end all of this and he's going to get his revenge and all this kind of stuff. And you see the determination in yes. him. Where was that determination in Thor Love and Thunder? No. Where was it? It was not Where... there, man. You just try to tell jokes all the time. I'm telling you, it was all about <laughs> yeah. the jokes. You know, he's getting fit. You know, it's yeah. like he's bigger than ever. He looks gigantic in the movie. It's like, yeah, it's I just mean... weird, man. Like it was also it was all surfacey. That's what it was. The whole movie yeah. was surfacey Thor. Whereas in Endgame or in Avengers, you felt Thor's internal struggle. You're like, man, he's he wants he wants to end it. 
He's like, this is, yeah. I got to take care of this. You know, like, it's like, wow, that's the hero I want, you know? Yeah. And in the next movie where he's fat Thor. Yeah. Apparently they wanted to him to become fit Thor. They did during that yeah. movie. And, and he said, no, I want to stay <laughs> fat Thor. <laughs> That's the best decision that they, <laughs> that he could have made, and I just love that um, because we got to see him once again remain vulnerable for some reason that yeah. you know, for whatever reason, you know, seeing somebody who had been so fit yeah. now be now have a you know supreme dad bod. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, there's now some kind of vulnerability yeah. to that that wasn't there before. We, we see some kind of fragility and, and all those kinds of things. Or, or we see the fragility that's happened on the inside manifest outwardly. Yeah. That's what we're saying. And for him to become strong again and to become powerful and to face down Thanos and, and things like that again, but not have to be bodybuilder physique. <laughs> yeah. There's, you know, I just think it was wonderful. It, yeah. it was, it was so great. And once again in that movie, he got to act the heck out of, yeah, out, out of that version of of Thor. It wasn't the ultimate version of Thor, but he right. gave him an opportunity to just act and act and act. And I just That's really right. appreciate that. And Thor: Love and Thunder just never gave him an opportunity to act. Yeah, they literally yeah. didn't. They just made him a jokester. Like yeah. he was like the jester, like of the court, like, and I just remember the thing I was watching. I was like, why is this so bad? And I go, oh, because they've basically stripped away all of the talent of Chris Hemsworth in this to make him just be a jokester. And everybody's telling jokes to each other all the time, trying to yep. land punchline after punchline after punchline. I'm like, enough. <laughs> I'm and like, they're doing the jokes about things like um, having a having a, a, what do you say? Like a saying as a superhero, yeah, you know, and things like that. And, you know, delving into the cliche of superhero. And one of the great things about the Marvel universe up until then is that it hadn't, it's not self-aware. Yeah. These, this movie is too self-aware. It's too self-aware. Yes, that's it. It's too self-aware because these other movies, Captain America doesn't know he's a superhero. You know, right. The Hulk doesn't think he's a superhero. Yeah. Thor wouldn't define himself as a superhero and he's not a God, but he is, you know, the son of Odin and he yeah. is royalty. <laughs> blah, blah, yeah. blah. But nobody's using the term superhero. But so when Thor becomes self-aware and he just doesn't spend enough time on earth, he shouldn't be this yeah, involved he, in like, right pop culture earth pop culture and he no. shouldn't care about it either because yeah when you've been around 1500 years why do you care about what's happening on twitter <laughs> right it should be so irrelevant to you <laughs> like that's really? always my argument about you know the christian god being so petty you're saying this <laughs> right. god's been around for an eternity and he cares if you wear one like multiple pairs of earrings Right. Or he, or he cares if you, you know, <laughs> smoke weed or, uh, you know, whatever. You're right. A lot of really uptight Even Thor Christians. says in other movies, like, so petty, these yeah. things, you know, like he acknowledges <laughs> all the pettiness of people. It's like, what? Really? But then yeah. he becomes the thing that he thinks is petty. Yeah. <laughs> so weird. you've been around 1500 years. You've been like, listen, I've seen a lot, man. This Twitter thing's so stupid. 
I'm like, I have other things to do, man. He <laughs> should be, Thor should be either on an adventure or he should be telling stories of his adventures. Yeah. Because because he loves the adventures so much. Right. Yeah. And this Thor doesn't do any of that. He watches oh. TV with his girlfriend. So weird. You know like, what I mean? It's like it's that like, whole montage of them fighting and then going to restaurants. I'm like, why is Thor at a restaurant <laughs> like with his girlfriend? Like they're just I said, I'm sorry. This is too much for me. I was like, <laughs> I just I've I've been looking at movies way more critical since we've been doing this. I'm like, and it, can't take this. I'm like, <laughs> I blame it on you, Simon. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to take that blame. I'm, I'm telling you, the skepticism a... is rubbing off on me, man. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> but it helps because when I see something great, it's truly great to me. I'm like, wow. Like when I watched Five Days at Memorial on Apple Plus, I was like, this is some of the greatest filmmaking acting in a series I've seen in a long time. Mm. It was just much like, uh, uh, what was it, Midnight Mass? It was like, I'm just yeah. watching something that is mind blowing right now like and i appreciate that more when i see something i'm like oh it's so bad like ah. and when you talk to somebody who doesn't like those things they say oh i didn't like those and then then you ask them what they do like this is once again going to sound really insulting <laughs> right but you realize that they for whatever reason are not distinguishing between aesthetically amazing things and aesthetically mediocre things mm. And that is something that, you know, so I have these conversations with people a lot and people will say, well, who are you to judge what's good and not good? It's like, well, I'm not saying I'm the ultimate judge, yeah, but I'm saying that I have sought to educate myself to an yeah. extent that I can tell the difference between an M&M <laughs> and something like, uh, you know, an amazing salad. Like right. I know which one of those is good for me and which one of those does good things for me and which one doesn't. Yeah. And if you can't make that distinguish, if you can't distinguish that in the media that you consume, then it's really difficult to have these conversations. <laughs> it really is difficult. It's so uh, I compare it to, maybe this is a weird comparison is like, I love pizza. Now I like really good pizza, like high quality, high quality ingredients and all that. And I think everybody knows or listen to this. There's really bad, bad quality pizza. I'm talking like low yeah. budget pizza out there. And I know many people in my life who can't distinguish between a great slice of pizza and a bad slice. To them, it's just pizza. Yeah. It's just all pizza. You know what? I'm hungry. I'll get the whether it's really great or really bad. It's just pizza to me. Like, I don't get that. Like, that's that's the movie thing to me. It's oh, it's, it's just entertainment. I'm like, mm. <laughs> I'm like yeah. There's a nuance. That's conversation. There's nuance. It's just not like, come on. I just like the beat. Just like, yeah. I hear that from like, people what are you who talking like music about? All the time. I just yeah. like the beat. It's like, well, I mean, beats are good. <laughs> Simon, Simon. <laughs> In your mind, you're like, this, we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beats are just real nice, sweetheart. That's good. <laughs> yeah. You just keep on enjoying that beat. Right. Just turn hey. on some music, you know, whatever. Really? I'm like, really? I think you're like me where I would much rather have silence than yes. have something mediocre on something that, and pardon me, I have a little cough. 
It's all good. Um, so if I'm driving in the car with somebody and they turn on music and they want to talk, I'm like, Hey, we're either, <laughs> we're doing one or the other. Agree. I'm either listening to this music or we're talking. Yes. I don't want noise. I don't need more <laughs> noise in my life. No. no, there's nothing about noise that I enjoy. Right. I want to listen to it. If we're going to listen to it. I mean, yeah. you know, like... I, I either want to get swept away by it. You know, or I want to do something else. Yeah. You know, but I don't want to just sit there and, you know, it's like people who have a TV on, but they're not watching it. I know. Oh, that annoys the heck That's out of me. That's strange to me. I can't yeah. take it. No, I I'm like turn it's that weird. thing. On. It's, I, don't, <laughs> I, I never think I have pet peeves because I like to imagine that I'm, I'm above pet peeves. No, you're not. Like, <laughs> well, you know, I, appar apparently, I'm not. It's all coming out, right? Yeah. Now. <laughs> because I can't, there's just certain things. So, um, uh, I'm, I'm going to sound really braggadocious right now, but I was actually, um, reading this article and it was citing studies that had tried to figure out, uh, habits of intelligent people or Ooh. kind of personality traits that highly intelligent people have. And, and I, you know, um, may, maybe I'm, I'm either too self-aware or I'm not self-aware enough, but I found that I, I, I scored really highly on these things because it was things like they're night owls. Okay. They swear a lot. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> we haven't been cursing enough on this show. No, <laughs> I've been trying to keep it PG. <laughs> um, uh, and the reason for these things is that um, such as staying up at night, being a night owl, uh, your brain is very active. Yeah. My brain is, I have a really, I have a really difficult time turning off my brain. Mm -hmm. Swearing, I love language. I love being inventive and creative with language. Sure. So I I don't just swear every other word, but sure. I love, I relish a good swear. Me it's, too, it's actually. brilliant to me. Yeah. Um, what were some other ones? Uh, I, I brought this list up for a specific reason. What were we saying just before this? Hating your alternate version oh, self. Was that part yeah, of it too? <laughs> it's getting easily annoyed. Oh, okay. Actually, that's one of it. It's getting okay. really easily annoyed. And... um taking in all the peripherals yeah so so um somebody who maybe isn't as smart maybe we can say it's not trying to be insulting but they're not as they're maybe their brain isn't as active all mm. the time let's maybe okay. put, put it that way they they can focus better they can block out the stuff around them and this isn't a hard and fast rule. This is just somebody note, you know, did a study and they've yeah. noticed this it was a commonality. And then uh, the, the people who are highly had highly active brains, high imagination, things like that, they they were taking in everything. And I find that I'm like that too. I, I just like notice everything around me. And that's not 100% true all the time. But it is true to a great extent. And when we have these conversations and you're like, Simon, I never, you know, didn't think of it that that's my problem. I can't turn my brain off. <laughs> I can't just sit and watch a movie. I'm noticing all the yeah. stuff that's happening all around. And it's very distracting to me. Yeah. To watch a movie. And I'm not some like ADHD or something like that. Right. You know, I'm just saying, like, I'm thinking a lot about what is happening in this movie and what's yeah. going on in it. And once you start down that path, you can't 
turn it. You did that off. to me. I'm just telling you right now. I never used to watch <laughs> movies like that, Simon. I'm swear. I swear to you, man. Every time I watch it now, I was like that damn Simon. <laughs> I was like, I'm skeptical. Every movie I watch, Give myself now, a high five. <laughs> yeah, I'm watching the movie, and I'm just like, I this is bad. Like this is this is what's why it's bad. And I start telling everybody in my house why it's bad. Here's what's going on with the lighting, the the dialogue. I used to I used to be like, all right, I just throw this away for a couple hours, whatever. You know, I'm like See? now I'm turning movies off. I'm just like off. <laughs> like I got other things to do. But but you, <laughs> sorry. You will find yourself doing this all the time. I'm sure you've already done this at different aspects of sure, your life. Sure, yes, yes. But, you know, once you, like I say, once you go down this path of cynicism. <laughs> you, path of you, cynicism. Yeah, you can't turn it off and it invades everything you do and everything you read and everything you think about. And the good part about that is that now we're actually thinking. Yes, we're not just consuming. There's a huge difference, right? Well said. And there are so many things that have happened just within the last few years. What what we just talked about, even about like rewatching movies from our youth and realizing right. what was going on. I was thinking about this today. I dropped my son off. He's going on a, on a vacation. That's why I was doing in Nashville. I was dropping yeah. him off at the airport and he's going to Hawaii and he's going with friends. And I was thinking about how, when I went to Hawaii as a kid, I didn't think about how white people ruined Hawaii. Right. And I didn't think no, about never think Hawaii about becoming a state ruining Hawaii. When you grow up in a patriotic household and, and you grow up being proud to be an American, you would think, any territory becoming a part of the United States would be a great boon, right. a wonderful thing. Well, not so much, because, yeah. but, you know, but I never would have thought of that. It's only in the past maybe five years that I actually became cognizant of what we did to Hawaii and how we ruined it for the native population of Hawaii and how we basically strip mined Hawaii and stole all of its resources from the people who, uh, right. who, who originally lived there and left them in poverty. Sound familiar? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's not like it was the first time that's happened. right. This has been a repeating <laughs> system, systemology here. I mean, but you know, you just, I just didn't think about that. And now even going back and watching Magnum PI, I'm right. thinking about that. <laughs> Simon, the cynic, cynicism, Simon. <laughs> <laughs> but once you wake up, once you wake up your mind. Yes. Now you're interacting with the world at such a high level. I think you're right. And I think that's why we have such interesting interplay about spirituality as a part of this segment we do because we both uh are believers but we're also very we have some cynicism and yeah. we we see there's a lot of bullshit too and there's like a lot of weird stuff and but we're, we're not like just taking it in like yeah sure everything's great like no like if you actually really look with your mind and your heart and everything, you can go, oh, you know what? Some of this, the way it's no, <laughs> you know, you're going to really think about it. 
and so much of that is so I'm teaching Isaiah, like I said, this yeah. Sunday. The main one of the main points that I want to make in my teaching this Sunday is to say Isaiah doesn't prophesy about Jesus, but Jesus still happens. Right. We don't need to keep passing on misinformation. We don't need to continue to pass on lies. We don't need to continue misinterpreting things just because that's what we've done before. And it would be really uncomfortable to change what we've done in the past. But you know who it would be very comfortable for if we stopped doing that? Jewish people. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be very comfortable for them if we would stop spreading lies about Isaiah prophesying of Jesus, because the Jewish people know that's not what he's talking about. Right. <laughs> so, man, and, 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 and like I say, Jesus still happens. Still you don't happens. need to, to say all this other garbage. Right. Just like the United States is a wonderful place. For sure. It's not unpatriotic to point out how we've been wrong. It's not it's unpatriotic not. to say we ruined Hawaii. It's patriotic because I want so much better for us. I want the United States to live up to what it's supposed to be. Yes. I want Christianity to live up to what it's supposed to be. Correct. You can't keep do and you can't do that if you continue to to live a false narrative. And say, love it or leave it. It can't be, it's not that simple. No. It's, you can still love something and find fault in it. Yes. I mean, come on. My wife probably finds plenty of faults in me. And she's been loving me for a long time. <laughs> like, <laughs> Yeah, she sends me a lot of texts. I know. <laughs> <laughs> right? What's like the problem? You, <laughs> right? But you can still have an incredible love affair with something and still point out the things that are not great about it and not be ostracized from it because of that. I'm actually, it's kind of funny. I'm going to argue the opposite of what I just said. Okay. I'm actually, I'm actually a huge propo proponent of lying. <laughs> I think it's great. There's always something with you every time. I swear, man. <laughs> I think we should lie to ourselves. I mean, I you're killing your other other. selves and stuff. I mean, geez, man. <laughs> learning a lot about you on this journey. <laughs> I think when you love someone, you're lying to yourself about them. You know, you know, interesting. You, you hear what I'm saying? I hear what you're saying, man. We, um, so when we love our religion, we're lying to ourselves about what our religion is actually saying. Mm. And I don't care what religion you're in. We're lying to ourselves about the past of our religion. Mm. We're lying to ourselves about, you know, what's being said at the pulpit right now currently and mm. we're lying to ourselves about what the scriptures say right and we're doing that because we love it that's one kind of love there's another kind of love and it's the love that we were just talking about to where you love something so much that you refuse to go on lying about it mm. and and those two loves they can actually coexist so I can go to church on Sunday and say, it's okay, even when it's not. Right. And then I can actually stand up in front of this Sunday school and say, this is how it's not okay. But it's also okay. Yeah. 
you know, we can, we can live in both worlds. Basically, we're talking about living in a paradox. Yes. And I'm fine with that because if we don't, if we refuse to live in a paradox, then we just really can't go on existing anymore. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's what the fringe groups want you to believe, that you don't have to live in a paradox anymore, that it can just right. be one way or the other. That's right. Those of us who come to the middle so that we can hear both sides, we say, I'm comfortable in a paradox. Right. I'm comfortable with both sides being right. Right. Man, you really brought that together. I tell you what, man. That was actually really, really <laughs> well put together, Simon. For a guy who said some outlandish stuff on this book. <laughs> For a guy so full of shit. I mean, I want to refer all the listeners back to the episode about alternate universes. Seriously, I... That one like hit me hard about side. It was like a real in-depth look into the deep, deep soul of a person. I mean, it was unbelievable, man. It was like it was one of the best segments ever. Because I was shocked by it. That's the best part about it. I was like, whoa. Uh, I'm here to amuse you. I know. But you're right. It's this it's, it's funny. It's just this monocultural thinking that fringe groups want you to think there is only one way. This is the only right way. And mm -hmm. that there actually, there's nothing wrong at all about this way. It's, it's perfect. That's what they want you to think. It's just perfect. Yeah. This is how it's supposed to be. But then even in those people's lives, what about their lives actually is like that? <laughs> it's like, nothing. Nothing. That's how could that saying, be that? Right? How could that be true if this is like, you know, that's crazy. That's the whole point, you know, and, and, and I constantly bring this up about Jesus. I, I always try to humanize Jesus. That's because right. I'm so sick of deifying Jesus. Yes. Jesus was a man. Now it, he, he can be a man and be the son of God at right. the same time. And he had to be, that was the whole point of him coming down here or, or up here. I don't know which way heaven is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it depends don't know. on what side of the earth you're on. Maybe. <laughs> right. Know. <laughs> but that is the point. But, but that, that's the point. So he suffers the way you and I suffer. He's conflicted. He feels the things we feel. And if he doesn't, I can't relate to him. He can't relate to me. We that's can't right. have a relationship. Jesus has to live in a kind of paradox as well. He's the son of God. The scripture says God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And Jesus, during his own lifetime, refuses to go preach to the Gentiles. Right. He has to live in a paradox that he himself has created. So if Jesus has to, has to live in that paradox, then I have to also accept that I'm living there too. Right. Exactly. It's crazy, man. So it's, I mean, Simon, you brought it today, man. I, you know what? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and this is the beauty. Sometimes that statement and this train of thought doesn't come into really far deep into a, a good conversation. Yeah. That's why I like having these conversations with you. Okay, guys, you know what time it is. It. Stick it's, with it. It's Simon <laughs> congratulatory praise time. You know, this is a regular segment for us. Darian, <laughs> like, Darian knows how desperate I am for affection. I know. So Ew. I got to make sure that I end with this all the time. <laughs> it's like, a, it's like a really popular segment. I think <laughs> it's, <like, laughs> it's kind of like the Stuart Smalley. 
Yeah. But you're instead of you're saying I'm good enough and smart enough, you're telling me that I'm good. You're saying, yeah, Simon, you're good enough. You're, you're good enough. enough. You know, it's regular segments, <laughs> blazing fives, you know, herd hierarchy. And this is just me telling Simon he's awesome, man. It's like you don't get that unless you spend enough time talking to someone and you don't often reach the gold in the first 20 minutes, 30 minutes. No, that no, stuff no. starts coming out. Later on, meander, meander. You, you need to you need to go off on tangents. Yeah, you, you, you get better to... the longer we go. Actually, I feel like you know that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, well done! I told you. See, <laughs> is this part of the intelligent person test? Is this really... <laughs> it takes us a long time to warm up? Yeah, <laughs> this, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, I, I, I don't have any studies behind, behind this, but I would think that for um, very creative people that um, we, you know, we sometimes talk about getting in the flow. Yeah. You got to get in the flow. Maybe sometimes for the first hour of our conversation, it's us getting in the flow at the same. And then once we've gotten in the flow, now everything, oh, now we found it. You know, uh, maybe almost like a sculptor or or somebody working with clay. Yeah. And and for the first you know long while that you're working, uh, there's no there, there's yeah. no distinguishable form. And then finally, we've uncovered what we're trying to get at this whole yeah. time. It has to be because that's what that's why I was like telling you. I was like, I have to I have to make more time for this, like because I would have like appointments and stuff and working, and I would just back it up, you know. And then I was like. I don't feel like I really get going with you until like an hour in, you know? So then I was like, I'm just going to move this stuff back and give myself a nice big space with Simon. And I love that. <laughs> like, I love that. This it's is great, cozy right? Sofa. It's a nice big love seat. Right, man. I cuddle up in and yes and have these great conversations. And I think it's, it's bearing itself out. This is, I think my 502nd episode in my wow. podcast. Yeah, and I saw that you hit the 500. Finally hit the 500. Yeah, it's amazing. And now I think the consistency, this is always like my top five downloaded episode every week of like, because people oh, awesome. download all the back catalog. They, they listen, you know, yeah. it's every time I look at it, this one's always up there. Arbiters mm. of always coming back high. I'm like, mm. oh, people like this. They like the long aspect of it, which I don't do with anyone else. I don't do this. Yeah. Else. There you go, Simon. I know. Oh, that. that's, that's <laughs> no, that's the highest praise you can get. And also, that's what she said. That um, is what she said. Yeah. <laughs> now we're, yes. <laughs> She's very faithful. <laughs> but, but no, that's the highest praise you can give. Spending time with somebody is the best compliment you can give anybody. That, yeah. that that's what every child wants. That's what every human wants. Your your time, yeah. And and the, you giving your time to this and to our conversations, you know, without even saying it, it says this is your priority. Yes. So that means you love it. You appreciate it. I do things like that. You know, so I feel that. Every yeah. you know when you said we were going to extend these episodes, I was you yeah. know. I, I knew what that meant. Yeah. That meant yeah. you think this is worth your time. And I didn't have to say it like a movie saying it. And yeah. you're like, okay, we didn't need to hear that. Just let me experience <laughs> it. I'm like, yeah. 
And that's what happens, you know, like we don't even like going out to eat in this town because yeah. what you said earlier, my wife and I know what good pizza is. Exactly. But we constantly go on dates. Why do we do that? Because um, I, we need to show each other that we want to spend time with each other. Yeah. That that's the key to every successful relationship is. is just spending the time, and hopefully that other person's not an a hole. <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> it is right. It shows your priorities: who you spend your time with, how you spend your time, the quality of it. It just is. I mean, I, yeah, I. I mean, this is the only segment I do like this with this regularity. That I, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm talking to a lot of different people all the time. Exactly. Yeah. And it's fine. It's good. I enjoy it. But, you know, it's it's not like I want to keep coming back to it all the time. You know, I may have somebody on twice a year and be like, oh, yeah, let's revisit this. You know, it's great. And no, they're all wonderful people, seriously. But you just, you know it when you hit something with someone. You just kind of know it. You know, I'm sure yeah. in movies, you know, Arnold knows, and this is my director, like this is my guy, or I, I, I this, yeah. I got to do this work. And that's why I think you see certain actors working like Leo DiCaprio and uh, what's his face, uh, always do films together. Um, oh, my gosh. Not Coppola, but what's the Scorsese? Guy? Scorsese. The, yeah. How many movies have they done together? And you yeah. like these guys must really enjoy making movies together. Like, yeah, why they, would they keep doing this over and they over? They see the, the brilliance of the other guy's right. work. Or you see an actor in a lot of different movies with the same director. Like, oh, they just he must keep wanting to hire these people in these movies because they just love the chemistry. Yeah, you know? that's that's yeah. what I feel. But this they it's, love it's spending that time together. Yeah, there's trust. They feel a creative uh, synergy. Yeah. You know, all those kinds of, of things uh you know then you hear the horror stories of actors saying or yeah. directors saying they'll never work with so and so person right. again and you know we all have those people in our lives where it's like <laughs> it's we true. would prefer not to interact with that right. human ever again and that's okay you know what that's why there's like seven and a half billion people on the earth that's so right that you don't have to keep going back to the same a-hole over and over <laughs> exactly and move on right that's exactly right so i, I just uh I just appreciate it, man. You know, I had to ask Simon where he was, though, because he didn't show up initially. <laughs> I know. I know. I was. It's funny because, you know, it was like an hour into my drive. I realized I was going to be late and I was like, oh, I need to text Darian. Yeah. And you know what happened? I started thinking. I'm not joking. I just started thinking about what I want to talk about this Sunday, and, <laughs> you know, things like that. And before I knew it, I'm sorry, poor Darian, you just flew right out of my head. <laughs> you flew right. Because I was too not busy that important about Isaiah. <laughs> like, well, I'll let it and be. Then when it's... you called, I was like, oh, crap, I didn't message him. <laughs> this is the problem with your ever expanding mind. I was like, <laughs> forget about the people you care about. Come what? on. <laughs> but we're here. We're here. We're here. We're here. We've had a quality conversation. I'm going to tell you what I told the the person who asked why I was always late for church. Darian, I showed up when I wanted to show up. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it's <laughs> flexible for you. <laughs> do I have to say that's what she said again? Yeah, you do. Okay, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> 
Simon, you the man, man. I really appreciate it. Seriously. Every time. Yeah. Always a great time, man. Me too. All right, man. All right, man. Talk you to you it. soon.